Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. house, worshiping his name. Our crew did such an amazing job leading us in worship today. I love that when Brooke just took it to that next level, and we sang those words, you place the breath in our lungs and everything that we have, we give you praise. And in that moment, I actually felt as though it was like a bit of a missing piece to even my message today, where I was saying to Ruth today, I was a one or two elements where I felt as though the Lord was still wanting to unpack and wanting to reveal. And you'd understand, sometimes as a preacher, you come to these moments feeling as though, I know there's one or two more small things to come, but I'm just not too sure. And it was in that moment, I really felt like it's like actually a, uh, that the final piece of the puzzle came into play, where we are reminded that He does give us the breath in our lungs. And everything that we are is ought to be a praise to Him, something we can glorify Him. And this will all make a bit more sense as I present the Word today, which I'm excited for. Uh, but who can believe it's mid-December? Anyone just scratching themselves thinking, oh my goodness, how are we actually mid-December? I always like to play the game. Who has not yet put their Christmas tree up yet? Oh, there's actually a few more hands going up here. Okay, that's pretty good. Ali last week called me a Scrooge because I didn't want to put our Christmas tree up in October. Um, but you guys, are, I'm, I'm feeling you. Well done, guys. It's like my people. Um, nah, it's good. I do enjoy this time of year. We are in a season of what we've titled The Greatest Gift. And we get to be able to remind ourselves of the precious, of the beautiful, of the majestic gift that Jesus Christ is for us. And so we are in good days. We're in good days. I want to say a massive welcome to some of our baptism guys and families and friends. It's so good. Do you want to put our hands together? Can you believe that only two weeks ago we had nine or ten baptisms? Today we've got another four or five, which is fantastic. I say four or five because who knows how many we might have today. And uh, I love the stories of every person who is getting baptised. You see, it's not just about someone getting baptised. Everyone has a story of why they're getting baptised, of how they're getting baptised. And I love the fact that I was chatting to Levi beforehand. My man, I love him. That Only a few weeks ago, he raised his hand to receive Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. And I know that he's been journeying and been a part of our youth ministry for a long time. I'm proud of you, mate. That now you're taking an obedient, obedient next step. The church is going to be cheering you on, buddy. We can't wait. We love it. We love the, the Wegners. I know Lisa, Sienna today getting baptised. We've prayed for you guys. we prayed for the Wegners for many, many years. we prayed for those who will be out of their kingdom to come into the kingdom. And I love their story. A few weeks ago, Dylan gets baptised. Today, mum and daughter get baptised. We praise God for all that God's doing. Where's Tom? Where's my man Tom? Tom's in here somewhere. I saw him beforehand. Where's Tom? Where is he? There he is. There he is in the back there. He's a backseat bandit today. What's he doing back there, hey? I love Tom's story. He comes to our church 
few months ago. He's reminded of Christ's love in his life. Today he comes and be baptised. He's now a servant of the house. I love, more often than not, he's out in the cafe early. He's actually one of the first to church now every single week. And I love it. He, uh, he's often got the vacuum in hand and sucking up all the Christmas beetles out there. Who's got a plague of Christmas beetles in their homes right now? I mean, where are these things coming from? They're like pterodactyls flying throughout the air and tracking us right now. Where's Miller? Miller's around here somewhere. I've seen Miller. Where is she? Oh, Miller. I, lo- I love Miller's story. Miller, for those who don't know, uh, is, is Tara here this morning? Where's Tara? I'm embarrassed. Tara. She's over there as well. I think it's actually quite appropriate that she's next to her right now. Uh, I was actually having breakfast with Tara one day. It's about six or seven months ago, a long time ago. And uh, we go to coffee together, catching up. And she says, I've got this friend, Miller, and I've wanted to be invited to church. And I said, you should do it. And to Tara's faithfulness and boldness, she did. Tara comes and says, hey, um, why don't you come along to church? And a week or two later, who's here? Miller's here. And for the next few weeks, she's story, she's learning and experiencing the presence of God and encountering God for the very first time. I then have a chat with Denise Dimas, who's one of my favourite people in the whole world. She then has a moment where she's like, I think I'm going to ask Miller today of whether she wants to receive Jesus as the Lord and Saviour. I said, you should do it. And she goes and does it. And Miller says, absolutely, I would love to be able to receive Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. A few weeks later, here she is, committing her life publicly, declaring before everyone else here today, that Jesus is my Lord and my Saviour. I love the stories of what's taking place right now. Let's never get to a place where we forget the story and how God is moving, what God is doing in individual lives. And these are five people amongst our church today. But as I look out right now, I see the example of how God is moving and shaping amongst people right now. I've talked with enough of you in the last two or three weeks to know that each and every one of you have a story. And we can never forget about the fact that God is indeed over, in, and around each one of us. That he's indeed God, Emmanuel. God with us. So I praise God for the stories of the five that we're going to see baptised today, five or six. <laughs> Maybe today. You haven't come prepared, but you're like, Dan, today's it, I'm going to get baptised. And you come and tap me on the shoulder at the end and we'll get you baptised. We've got some spare shirts, Mel says, so it's all happening. Um, and we are excited for what God is doing. And so we'll do that at the end and uh, we're looking forward to that. I've got a bit of a message, a bit of a word on my heart today. Matt's going to stick up and support me up here on stage today, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but why don't we dive into the word right now. So if you get your Bibles, I'm going to look at part of the Christmas story here today. I'm going to look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 here today. I'm going to read through a bit of scripture and walk through it with you guys. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, for those who may not be fully aware, Elizabeth was Mary. We're going to talk about Mary today. was Mary's cousin. And Elizabeth was someone who had been barren for many, many years. The Bible says that she was old in age. And in a moment, even though she was promised there was a word of God given to her that she would become pregnant one day she had thought that that would not take place in her life 
But all of a sudden, God comes, the Holy Spirit comes, and her and Zechariah actually find themselves, well, she finds herself pregnant to a special man named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, for those who may not necessarily be aware, he was a prophetic voice that was foretold many, many years ago. You read into the um, back end of Isaiah, there is a declaration that there will be someone who comes and makes a way in the wilderness, who makes a clean way. Actually, the Bible says a highway throughout the wilderness. And they declare that this man would indeed point people to Jesus. And John the Baptist, a number of years later, just before Jesus enters into his time in ministry, he takes some time of declaring and making a way for the people to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. So John the Baptist was actually an important rabbi of the time. He was a well-known person. He was a person with a lot of followership. But when Jesus came on the scene, when Jesus declared that his ministry is starting, when Jesus is anointed after he's indeed baptised, what John first does is says, hey, I know that lots of you have been following me recently, but you've got to stop following me now because there's a greater one. He is the Son of God. He is the Lamb of God. And he's now the one to be able to follow. So John the Baptist then starts pointing people to Jesus and say, go and follow him. He is the one. And church, I am praying that C3 New Hope will be a church just like John the Baptist, filled with people who point people to Jesus, filled with people who indeed make a way, a highway in the wilderness so that people will come to know Jesus as their Lord and as their Saviour. And so Elizabeth, she's... She's pregnant, six months in. And we see that God sent an angel, the angel Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, this is the first time we hear about Mary. We know one or two things about her right now. We know that she's from Nazareth. Now, just to be, uh, I feel like us uh, MacArthur kind of people can kind of get to know Nazareth pretty well. Nazareth was a bit of a working class kind of place. Nazareth was an everyday kind of place. Actually, Nazareth didn't always have a good name for itself. I'm declaring that MacArthur is the greatest place to live. I think MacArthur is the best place to live. I think God's people exist in MacArthur just quietly. But not everyone thought the same of Nazareth during this time. You actually read in John chapter 1, a guy, Nathaniel, who had become a disciple, he actually says these words, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And so we know that this is a simple place, an everyday place. I'd like to say an authentic place, a real place, a place where people would live. Now, we know also that her fiancé-to-be, his name was Joseph. He was a carpenter. Now, if you were a tradie of the time, it meant that your education stopped at a certain time because you never went on to become a rabbi. And so he was a tradie, he was a carpenter, and this is probably why he was living in a place like Nazareth, every day, real. And we know that the second thing is that she was ready to be engaged. Well, she was engaged to Joseph. She's on the verge of getting married. She's on the verge of, 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 of planning everything. She's no doubt thinking about the dress that she's going to wear, the feast that's going to happen. She's probably thinking about the bridesmaids that she's going to have with her. She's talking and thinking this kind of things all the time. And so we know that this is the season of life that we find that she finds herself in. Most scholars would suggest that she was only a teenager during the time, not an old woman, someone that was probably of, of, of a tender age. But this is the first time we sort of hear about her story. We get, um, encounter her. 
So she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph as descendant of the King David, of King David. I loved Ali's message last week. She preached a great message. And one of the things that she mentioned was that there was a promise, there was a prophecy that took place 700 years earlier before Jesus was born, that there would be a king, that he would reign forever, that he would be the saviour of our sins. And another part of that prophecy actually includes the fact that he would come from the line of David. And so when Luke mentions this here right here, he's not just mentioning because it's a nice thing to mention. He's mentioning because this is actually prophetic fulfillment of Scripture that had taken place 700 years earlier. And verse 28 says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. I don't know about you, but sometimes I like to put myself into Scripture. Not as in like Dan into Scripture, but I kind of try and imagine what's taking place. Again, we've got a, probably a pretty simple, everyday kind of young woman. She encounters an angel. And this angel comes and says, hey, greetings. Hey, hey, how you doing? If the angel was Australian, maybe say, g'day, how you doing? But we find ourselves in a place where the next words come out, favoured. Everyone say favoured. This word favour is actually really important for today. We're going to come back to this at the end of my message. It's favoured, but then secondly, the Lord is with you. Every single person this morning, be reminded of the fact that no matter what you're looking at, what circumstance might be in front of you, what season of life you might find yourself in, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And naturally... Some of Mary's first response was confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think about what the angel would actually mean. And I love how the angel then doubles down. He says, don't be afraid, for you have found favour with God. There's that word again, favour with God. And then he drops the next sentence or two, which would transform Mary's life forever. Has anyone ever had one of those moments beforehand where the Lord has shown you something or identified something or there's been a moment in your life where it's literally you were heading this way and then in a moment you were heading that way. This is the story that was taking place for Mary in this particular moment right now. Her life was, I'm going to become the wife of Joseph, which was a massive deal during those times. Family and, and reputation was a huge part of their culture. And we see everything going well. She was the virgin to be married to Joseph. She was going to see her life become a part of his life. And in an instant, things change. You see, verse 31, that says, You will conceive and give, son to a, give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. You gotta understand this kind of language that's being used right now is all prophetic language. This is stuff that's been declared years and years before. When we hear the words Son of God, when we hear the words you will reign over Israel forever, these were words that were well known during this time. These were words that the people of the time were hanging for, they're believing for, they're longing for. And so when the angels saying these words, it's like Mary's thinking, holy smokes, 
what you're saying to me right now is, I, I know about, but how could this be happening to me? And if this is true, this has monumental moments, like significance in my life. That everything I was thinking about, dreaming about, concerning and, and, and planning for, in a second it's going to be changed. This is significant for her during this time. And Mary had asked a really, really good question. I love Mary. I reckon I would have asked, well, it'd be hard for me to conceive a child, okay, for natural reasons. But it'd be really, really natural for her to ask this next question, which says, but how can this happen? How can this happen? You know, I actually think it's a question that still gets asked today. A whole heap. When the Lord impresses, when the Lord leads, when the Lord calls us, sometimes our natural response can be, but Lord, how can it happen? The Lord says, hey, why don't you go and forgive that person over there? The Lord, like, how can this happen? I want you to go and bless that person over there. The Lord, like, you know my situation. How can this happen? I want you to go and show mercy. I want you to go show, show compassion. Lord, I, I don't know how this is going to happen. I want you to go and start that business so you can be a blessing to my kingdom. But Lord, I, I don't know how that's going to happen. I want you to go and redeem that relationship. But Lord, I, I don't know how that's going to happen. This is a question that can get asked over and over and over and over again. You know what? It's actually a question that I'm very familiar with myself. <laughs> you know, when Pastor Andrew and Claire asked us to lead the church just on two years ago now, well, three years ago, but we're now in leading for, for two years. It was one of the very first questions I said to Pastor Andrew and to, to, to God himself. I said, but how can this happen? I think we've all, if we're honest, we've been in this sort of moment before where it was asked, but God, how can it happen? And Mary finds herself in the moment right there. How can this happen? You see, she saw the natural. She saw the physical. She saw her environment during this time. But God saw so much more. He is the Alpha. He is the beginning. He is the end. He sees it all. He is sovereign. It's like Mary had her blinkers on. Everyone said those horses before with the blinkers? They, they, see, they, they see part of the story. But God saw it all. And Gabrielle kindly, seeing the fact that she had some questions, fills her in so kindly. Says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby that will be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What Gabriel is declaring here is that he'll be fully human and he will be fully man. Oh, so fully human and fully God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth will become pregnant in her old age. People used, um, people used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and now in the sixth, and is now in the sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Let's say it again. For the word of God will never fail. If he said it, it's going to happen. If he said it, it's a promise that he cannot break. If he said it, there will be a yes and an amen. The word of God will never fail. We can put our confidence in His Word. We can put our confidence in what He is doing because He is good and it is in His character to always see the fulfillment of His Word. And what blew me away this week as I was in my own personal quiet time reflecting and considering this particular Scripture, verse 38 was what blew me away. 
and it was Mary's response. You know, the truth is we all have a response that we can make. Every single one of us. And sometimes in my, again, human nature, I actually go in the line of, what would have happened if Mary responded differently? You see, Mary was known of how, how she did respond. And I thank God for how Mary responded. But every single one of us, we have a response to our great God that we can make. A part of our baptism guys today, they're making a response to God today. They're making a de- declaration today. But each and every one of us, we have the opportunity to make a response just like Mary did. And Mary responded in some of the most mind-blowing ways. Again, you place yourself in her shoes just for a moment. Her whole life has been shook. It's a bit of a wild scenario going right now for her. And yet she has this ability, this faith, this posture to be able to declare, I am the Lord's servant. May everything, not just some of it, may everything you have said come about me, come true. I love it what it says in the New King James Version. It says, Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. Let it be to me. This morning, I want to share a very brief message on let it be. Let it be. And just like we sang that song, that the breath in our lungs, it's all for him. I believe there's a posture that Mary had during this time of everything I am, I am yours. And so if your word says it, let it be. Let it be. Now this is a, a chunkier kind of message that I'm going to bring into a really short moment that I could probably have four or five messages on, to be honest with you. Because in our worlds, we like to pray cute little prayers that say, Lord, when I'm in a circumstance, when I'm facing a trial, when I'm in a moment, would you take it away? But perhaps the Lord is actually wanting to reveal more in your circumstance than what we're actually fully aware of. And maybe a better prayer would actually be, if that's what you've said, let it be. Let it be. Let it be. You know, truth be told, I'm preaching this word just as much to myself as I am to you guys today. And I believe that this word is actually a really important one for us here today. Because we understand some correct theology here that just because God is with us doesn't mean that we're going to be trial free. Doesn't mean that we're going to be circumstance free. But what the promise is that he will be there with us. And we'll have his promises there with us. And if we can have the spiritual maturity that would say, Lord, I've got blinkers on right now. I can see certain things right now. I reckon I can, I feel like I can see a whole bunch of things, but I'm actually not God. And in that, would you remove the blinkers and will I be led by you? Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. According to your word, let it be. You know, I think of other monumental moments in the Bible, the heroes of the faith. I think of someone like a Noah during the time. Noah's an unreal dude. (laughs) He's called to go and build an ark, a massive boat. And Noah actually is a representation of what is to come. 
You see, he is actually a part of a, a process that gets us about save elements of the world. He's indeed a prophetic word. And what takes place is that even before it even ever rains, the Lord says that a flood is coming. Okay, just stop for a moment there. Think about that. You've never seen rain and yet you've been told the place is going to be flooded. More than that, I want you to build a boat that's going to save the world of those who will receive me. More than that, it's going to take a hundred years. Oh, and by the way, during that time, people are going to think you're crazy. People are going to talk badly about you. People are going to be in a place where they think, what is this Noah guy all about? And yet he had the confidence. He had the call. According to your word, let it be. Let it be. I think of someone like an Abraham, who was actually Abram initially. Abram was, which literally means father. See, the biggest problem there, though, he had no kids. And there was a call upon his life that he would be a father. I love it how in his doubt, God then doubles down. And he then says, hey, you're not just father, you're going to be a father of many nations. And then he would spend the next 20, 30 years of his life still with no kids. People around him probably thinking, hey, this guy's changed his name and he's got no evidence of why he would change his name for. And yet, Abram, who became Abraham, came to a place and said, if it's according to your word, let it be. Let it be. I think to myself around the lines of someone like Moses and one of my most favorite parts of the whole Bible when I think about the, the, the biblical stories He's standing on the edge of the banks of the Red Sea. And he's saying, hey, Lord, you've taken me this far. And right now he's at the edge. He's like, in the natural, I've got no idea of where to go, how I'm going to get across. I know that you're calling me, but I've got the, I've got the doubts. I've got the, I've got the gaps in my faith right now. He turns around and in the distance, he sees the, 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 the Egyptians coming in their chariots to come and slay. And yet, Moses, in that moment, he hears the word from God. He says, I want you to raise your arm in victory. I want you to look at that Red Sea. I want you to raise your hands and you wait for what I'm going to do right now. Because according to my word, I haven't taken you this far to only forsake you now. I'm going to walk you right through. He raises his arm. The seas are parted. The Israelites go through. The Egyptians are conquered. And we see the miracle hand of God. Why? Because he heard the word and he said, let it be. Let it be. Let it be. May we be a church. That sees through the circumstance, through the natural, and be reminded of the fact that we worship a supernatural, ever-present, unfailing, never-forsaking God who loves us so much. You know, I think to myself, this young woman, Mary, she had this like confidence to be able to respond in the way she did. To be honest, I don't know how I would respond in that moment. I'd be still thinking, man, I've got an angel in front of me. How crazy is this? But I actually think as part of the understanding is actually actually going back to the original Greek, which where perhaps our English language fails us a little bit. Now I looked at some of the original Greek, particularly in verse 28. And Harms, if you can put verse 28 up on the screen for us just for a second of Luke 1. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Two things. You're favoured 
ends, I'm going to be with you. I want to particularly talk about right now around this word favoured. You see, we think the word favoured has been unique, selected, appointed, special. These are all sort of the words favoured, blessed. And those things are not wrong. But the original Greek is a word called charis. Everyone say charis. This is your Greek word for today. The word charis, its literal meaning is the word grace. The word grace. You see, the angel wasn't necessarily saying favoured in the way we understand to be favoured. What the word was actually, I'm going to give you the grace to walk through this. Sometimes what we're going through is actually there to produce an oil in our life that will be for us, but for his kingdom as well. And as I look around right now, again, I know many of your stories right now, I know there's a pressing going on. I know there's a persevering going on. I even love Romans 5, how it talks about perseverance will lead to character, godly character, that will then lead us into eternal hope. We all want the eternal hope, so often we're not actually prepared for the character part and the persevering part. The nature of oil is that you have the olives, that for the oil to be produced, there has to be a pressing. My prayer is in the pressing, perhaps in asking, reframe the question of why God to what, what, do you, what, do you, what, do you, what oil are you producing me right now, God? This word grace, or sorry, charis, it appears three or four other times in the New Testament. The other time it actually appears, one of those times it appears is actually in Luke 22. Harmony, I haven't given you the message, the, the words here. But in Luke chapter 22, is actually the, the picture of when Jesus is in the garden just, just before he's about to be crucified. And Jesus has this moment, even though he knows exactly the pathway, because remember, he was fully God. He comes to a place when he's praying so fervently that literally his sweat is dripping out blood. And he's having a moment before the Lord because he actually understands the significance of the moment. He understands not just that there will be a, a, a painful, horrible death, that this will actually be a place where he would take on the sins of the world. That the very reason why he was called to become saviour is that he would then indeed take on the responsibilities. He will shield us and he will pay the price that we ought to be able to pay. And he asks this question to God. He says, hey, if, if this can pass by me, the Bible actually says, if this cup can pass by me, would you allow it? But then instantly he backs up by saying, but let your word be done. Let your will be done, he says. This was Jesus' little moment of, let it be. Let it be. The very next verse, it goes on to say that the angel appears. We don't know which angel, but the angel appears. and says, I'll give you the strength to walk this out. You want to have a bit of a guess in the original Greek of what that word strength means? It means charis. I'm going to give you the grace to walk this out. There is a charis for each and every one of us. That if God said it, His word is there, He will give you the grace to walk out every single season. My prayer is that regardless of what you, what you might be looking at, 
And again, as I look around the room, I know most of you, many of you, I know lots of your stories. But my prayer is that you will know two things. You're highly favoured. There is a grace for you and that He will indeed walk and be with you. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.